Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your latest source for Packers news, notes, and information. As always, I am here with my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. Packers eked out another ugly win. Um, and I'd like to give a special shout out to Tommy's big brother, Alex, his wife, Caitlin, and their friends, Jesse and Jenna, who made it up to Green Bay to watch the game in person. And we think they probably brought him good luck in the very end to pull out the victory. Yes, gave him just enough luck to pull out the victory. Dad, mm-hmm. the word of the week is escape. And that is what the Packers did versus the Patriots today. They escaped with a victory against the New England Patriots and their third string quarterback. But before we get into all of that, we just wanted to quick pitch some of the stuff we've been working on, specifically our socials. Please come follow us on Twitter at Father Son Packer. It's a great place to keep up with news and notes throughout the week. And also, please come check us out on YouTube at Father Son Packers Podcasts because it'd just be great for us to build up our following there. And we'd really appreciate you guys subscribing and following anywhere you can find our podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, like we previously mentioned, Twitter and YouTube. It would just really help us grow a little bit and we would really appreciate it. Dad, anything else you want to add on or should we hop into it? Let's just hop right into uh, the next next step in the gut check time. Yes. As we always like to start with these uh, Packers post games, which we do every single Sunday night, feel free to check us out. We also do pre-games every single Thursday night. So you can check us out this week when we pre-game the Packers going to London to take on the Giants. But anyway, in this game... Uh, We haven't mentioned the score yet, but the Packers beat the Patriots 27-24 to in overtime at Lambeau Field this Sunday afternoon. But, Dad, what's your gut check for the game? How are you Uh, feeling after the game? Gut check, a.k.a. you know, cardiac arrest check, a.k.a. heartburn check. A.k.a. sick to my stomach (laughs) check. Sick to my gut check. But, yeah... I I feel like yeah they it it it's kind of felt very familiar in some ways, but I wonder you know did they lose focus like after Hoyer went out and they kind of relaxed a little bit? Is that what happened, or did they really just really miss um, say Adrian Amos or um, other yeah other 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 explanations? Yeah, I think that's it's reasonable to ask that, and it's a reasonable gut check to feel that way. I think my gut reactions is just you like (laughs) this was a really ugly game for the Packers they probably didn't necessarily deserve to win it they tried a lot of different ways to lose it and it just didn't it it's one of those games where you leave feeling kind of icky you don't feel super confident about the team but a win is a win is a win and take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week. It's a shame I have to say that back-to-back weeks. Don't love doing that. But I think that's kind of where I'm landing as like a gut feeling for this game. Yeah. And one more thing I'd add to this this whole gut check thing, the the big picture. All week I was saying, you know, this is the kind of game you could only lose if you lose the turnover battle, which they lost the turnover battle, and they almost lost the game. Yeah, and they they really did almost they almost lost this game several different times. But before we really go into a deep dive and what went on during this game on every side of the ball, let's for a, uh, just a quick second talk about the injuries sustained in this game. Dad, you already mentioned one, but the big one was Adrian Amos leaving very early in the game in the first quarter due to a concussion. Went straight to the locker room, so that's not great. Um, so that's kind of the bad news from this game, and I think the Packers really did feel that along the secondary. The good news from this game, though, is David Bakhtiari was able to play back-to-back games now and played all but one series. So the left tackle rotation with Yash Nyman was all but gone. And you got any thoughts on those two injuries, Dad? I feel like Bakhtiari one's amazing news. Amos one isn't great news, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Yeah, I, for the for the Amos one, you could tell he called he took himself out immediately. Yeah, he did that tackle and he called to the sideline right away. And then as as a replay of the tackle, I was like, oh, he got hit in the head. Yeah, he got a knee right to the side of the head. And then for the Bakhtiari, I did. I must admit, I got a little moment of nervousness when he played whatever like three series in a row and then came out. I was like, ooh, what's going on? I was a little nervous too. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I tweeted out. I was like, at Father Son Packer, as I said before. I tweeted out, 
Might just be a rotation gradually being a little more heavily weighed towards Bakhtiari, but still something to keep an eye on, and you hope he's back in for the next series. And he was, and he was back in for the next the rest of the game. And I think and it's also... The... Go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. Finish. I was going to say, I think it's also important to note that Yash Nyman was dealing with an illness during this game, so maybe that did ha- factor a bit into Nyman not playing as much. But it is still good to see Bakhtiari's able to carry a full workload, essentially, in his second game back. Yeah, and maybe they had the plan for Yash to come in like every third series or so, and then he was like, I'm too sick. I can barely stand up. Who knows? I'm just yeah. wild speculation here. I wasn't sure if he was going to be active, actually, when he got that illness kind of late in the week. Yeah, it was, it was Saturday, right, where they added him to the injury report as questionable? I think that's right, because uh, maybe he got it from Caleb Jones, who was sick for um, the second half of the week, and then I was like, how many people in the O-line room are going to get sick by Sunday? Well, if you remember the week before, <laughs> Cobb was questionable with an illness, and, and so was Crosby. So it yeah. seems like there's kind of just a bug going around the locker room, assuming that's all the same thing. Uh, but something to keep an eye on for next week when they go to London. <laughs> which which room is that same, same yeah. germ going to be in next? Yeah, but those are kind of the injuries. You could definitely feel the loss of Amos in the secondary. Ruby, uh, Rudy Ford sorry, uh, took his place on the back end um, for most of the game, um, which I thought was interesting. You wonder if maybe they would have put Mike Abernathy back there had he been active, um, since Rudy Ford is mostly on the team for special teams. But I thought he actually played okay. It wasn't terrible. There were obviously some coverage busts, which we'll get into. Um, but anyway, Dad, uh, do you want to hop on into how we felt about the game? Yeah, how, or how, some, some game breakdown? Yeah, let's do some game breakdown. Do you want to start with the offense? Sure. And let's, uh, I uh, guess, let's get the vegetables out of the let's way get, first. Let's get the bad yeah. taste out of the mouth first so that we yeah. don't end with a bad taste in our mouth. A little shot, a little chaser. You know, It's always like, save... I always like to save the candy or the dessert for the very last thing so that that's the taste that stays with you <laughs> until the next meal instead of something that's nasty last and then that just lingers all day long. I know you don't drink, but that is what Shot Chaser <laughs> means. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Dad, do you want to start with your um, thing so that you weren't my, so, so let's hot about start with on the, the bad offense? things and get that, yeah. get that taste out of the mouth first. Yes, yeah, so you just go ahead so, and start. What does say the the? I had some issues kind of with the passing game plan at mm-hmm. large. Yeah, there's very little tight end usage this game. Only two targets, both the Tunyon. Um, they did get the TD, and there's one target. I oh, sorry, two targets to Tunyon, one to Deguara, none to Lewis, and none to Davis. Mm-hmm. And so previous previous weeks they had they did have one week um, against the ba- um, the Bears with three targets to tight ends, but the other two weeks were eight and nine. So this is really on the low end. Did you want to say anything yeah, about that? I, I I agree that I would like to see Tunyon use more. But something that I noted in our sheet, in our planning sheet, is I did like the way they used him. It felt like the first time they really targeted him up the seam since his injury. And I think having that trust and having him being someone who can stretch the field over the middle of the field is going to be an important part of their offense because he was really good at that before he got hurt. Um, and I just think having someone to attack the seam is going to be helpful for this offense because they haven't been hitting much over the middle. And that was a, the touchdown to Tunyon was a really nice play over the middle. Yeah, agreed. Especially and- because Tunyon is one of the players that Rodgers trusts the most. And you feel like he's going to be more willing to throw it to him in the middle of the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm ho- I'm, I'm not, I don't know about hoping, but it's possible that that, early lack of targets to Tunyon up the seam is part of his getting reacclimated to playing after the uh, ACL reconstruction because he's still not even a year out. I think you're 100% right. Um, but yeah, I, I like the way they use Tunyon, but I agree I would like to see them use him more because I think he's one of the better options they have on this offense. And speaking of better options they have on this offense, there was another part of the passing game I saw you note down that you wanted to see more of. I, I did. So there's another one, and then I think you'll have some maybe some comments later on on uh, some pa- uh, past usage as well. But I would like to see them. Uh, so they they did use Watson a little bit, mm-hmm. where, where they had uh, the 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 one nice handoff on the on the jet motion where he just flew around the corner, hit over 20 miles per hour, and nobody touched him on his way to the end zone. First touchdown as a Packer. First Lambo leap. <laughs> First of many, hopefully. And then, uh, but they didn't, I feel like they didn't use him enough in the passing game. He had 
um, what one catch and two targets, something like that. But it was it was it was very light usage. He did have. It seemed they had tried one deep shot on the right side where he maybe he maybe the ball was a little off target. Or he had trouble adjusting to it and tracking it. But they did. Mm-hmm. They still, I don't think, have tried to use him enough on say like deep crossers where it's not always the ball coming over his shoulder as he's trying to track track it. They haven't tried to um, vary his usage that much. Yeah. So I was just checking. He had three targets with one catch for eight yards, but that one catch I think was just a pop pass that went for eight yards on like a first and 10. And mm-hmm. I, a hundred percent agree. I mean, you took this guy with a top 50 pick premium pick, and I know he's a little bit behind the eight ball with missing a lot of camp with a, after knee surgery and he's missed some time with a hamstring injury and you're trying to work him back. But for this team to reach a ceiling, you kind of got to just throw him in the fire and you kind of, kind of just let him learn receiver on the fly and learn what Rogers likes on the fly. And if you're not, throwing him the ball, he's not going to improve at a rate fast enough for this team to be where it wants to be come December and January. That's kind of how I feel about it, at least. Yeah, and I would like to see maybe them start to incorporate some of the the route tree that they've been doing with Dobbs with some of those uh, um, mid and deep crossers and then let him use his speed for some run after catch, which um, Dobbs has been able to do. And Watkins, so those, some of those passes they've had to both of them, I'd like to see them try Watson on it. And maybe they're at the point where they don't feel comfortable with how um, accustomed Watson is to the offense yet with uh, missing most of, most of camp and also a week and a half of, of the season so far. Yeah. But one thing I just got to like to finish this little bit about was it seemed to me like in addition to not passing, like they, did they get away from the jet motion? I just don't recall it much from later in the game. And maybe I need to just do a, a rewatch and see how much they used it later compared to earlier. Yeah, it felt like to me that when they were doing jet motion, it was mostly with Watson. And then they were doing a lot of motion with DeGuara at the end when they were just running the ball, which I like mm-hmm. seeing DeGuara out there. I think he's been a actually very positive blocker for the Packers so far. And what, what he's kind of a more of a minor player in the offense right now, but I like what I've seen. But yeah, I think with Watson, it's like, his dynamic speed is such a unique trait that you need to get it, get him the ball as much as you can because three targets and one of them, the only one, only catch him he's having is a pop pass is like, you can do more with that. But anyway, um, should we move on to my... Yeah, let's move on to your uh, um, the bad things that you saw on offense. Yeah, so on offense, there were a couple things, and both of them were fairly worrying to me. The first one I want to talk about was Elton Jenkins' play at right tackle. Um, and I just want to preface this with, he's coming off major injury. He's coming off faster than we thought he would. He's playing a position he doesn't have a lot of experience with. But when you think about all of those... Like, are you really setting him up for success by putting him at tackle so soon? Putting him at a new position that's difficult so soon after injury? Like, I think, and to be fair, also, he's played against Robert Quinn, Shaq Barrett, and Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon kind of ate his lunch in this game a lot. But all three of those guys are elite pass rushers in the NFL. And that's a tough first three games to play. But I do think that maybe... I don't know how long you give him, but maybe at some point you think about moving him back to guard and putting Tom at right tackle. What do you think about that? Yeah, or, or Nyman. Yeah, at right or tackle, Nyman. Though we haven't... Tr- um, and I, I'm trying to remember if there have heard reports that from uh, like the floor said, oh yeah, he's he's been playing some uh, right... Nyman's been playing some right tackle in practice, but you guys, not when anybody's been around to see. Yeah. Or something like this. So I don't know what what's going on with that, whether it's, whether it's leading to anything. Yeah. The one thing I'd like to say about Elton, I watched a little bit of that first, you know, rewatched some of that first half and I was looking at, I felt like his run blocking was a little better than his pass pro and his ability to, to move, to, uh, to, to find, to find a, tar- a target to block in, in space mm-hmm. looked better than some of his pass pro reps where um, some of the quick moves are, are beating him early and then he's lunging and grabbing. Um, and that happened at least twice today against Judon. Yeah, Judon was 
kind of given him the business out there. And Chudon is one of the more underrated players in the league. He's one of only, I think, four players in the league with a sack in every game so far. Rashawn Gary is one of the others, which we'll talk about later. Say. But it's a tough it's a tough matchup. But when you're a right tackle in this league, you're gonna get a lot of tough matchups. And it's not even just about whether or not I think he can do it going forward, like next year. They do say that when you've torn your ACL and you're coming back, you don't feel like yourself for an additional year afterwards, is what a lot of athletes say. And I'm just wondering if it's the best thing for Elton, like setting him up for success to have him play tackle right now. And I, we've seen him play tackle well in the past. It's just, is this version of Elton is the best thing for him in the offense for him to play tackle? Is no, is one of my concerns. A, that's a fair question of like, like is, he in, is, is his version now, which I don't mean is his version forever. Yeah. For this year. Not up to playing tackle right now. And that maybe in three more months, he will be um, more up to the task. Because his, his bar has been set much high, pretty high. And right now he's been really kind of mid-level tackle by PFF grade so far this year. We'll see where that drops after, where that goes to after today's game. Yeah, and then the other big negative I had, which I think you're, we'll talk about a little bit, is my goodness, Aaron Rodgers was awful in that first half. I mean, just some of the worst football I've ever seen him play. He was 4 of 11 for 44 yards and a pick for an 11.2 passer rating, which is worse than if he threw it into the ground on every single play. Yeah, if he don't had forget that, that pick was a pick six. That pick was a pick six, exactly. If he had had that passer rating for the whole game, it would have been by far the worst of his career. And I think the the only good thing you can say about that first half performance was that he was at least trying to throw it deep sometimes. But overall, just some of the, like, the worst, weirdest football. Like, there were people on Twitter. I know Perry Goldstein, who does some really awesome work for Packaday, um, and packs what she said was tweeting like does is Rogers concussed like is there something wrong with his arm because he was missing open guys deep open guys short swing passes over guys heads like it was it was dis it was really bad and he cleaned it up as the game went on which you're going to talk about when we get to our good things but my goodness that first half was gnarly yeah i mean he was he he missed um Wide left, wide right, you know, um, over people's heads. He was he was hitting he was hitting the trifecta on where to where to miss a receiver. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty gross. But um, and and so yeah, and a lot of those were you know, I was gonna add is like the, a lot of those are short targets. So it was like out to the flat. I think he had like three or four of those he missed. He um, um, airmailed one over Watson's. He airmailed one over Watson's like ten head. feet. Yeah, like not even close. Well, to like, I know he was trying to get it, like trying to lob it over. Was it Barmore or Judon? He was trying to get remember. it up and over Judon, which is a Judon. tough throw. But he, he and airmailed it ten feet. <laughs> it went so far over. And then, like the just the decision on the pick six was terrible. Yeah, I mean, that pass it, had no chance. I mean, the decision was bad, but it's also one of like his just when you look at the throw itself, like it was late and behind. Like, the corner had to reach back to grab it because it was so far inside from where it was supposed to be before he ran it back. Like, and you it could was even, yeah. weird. It was weird. And you could even say that fumble was possibly partially his fault, too, because Dobbs had to stretch so far to reel it in that he was in a bad position when he got hit after grabbing the ball. Yeah, but, you know, there are definitely some negatives for the offense in this game, like we said, but... He definitely did clean it up in the second half, and so that kind of takes us to our positives for the offense. Let's get that right. chaser in there. Dad, do you want to take it away for some positives? Let's move on to the good things. So what I, one of the things I had for my good things was Roger's second half play. He completed, I think it was what I had down was 16 of 22 passes and two TDs, and they got scores on four of their six possessions in the in the second half and overtime yeah except for except for counting the last possession where there's only four seconds it's like basically not even a possession exactly yeah. um so he and, flipped and, the switch a, in that second half which is a really good rate you know for 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 uh scoring on two-thirds of your possessions there just weren't weren't that many of them and in fact i basically my prediction was they would score on four possessions of the game it'd be four touchdowns i had them for two i was pegging them for 28 points 
um, before the game. So that is actually not that bad of a scoring output. Mm. Um, you know, Price, so, is right. so, Price is Right rules. So, I'm a little closer. So it was that's like, all I'm going to say. <laughs> but it was like Heckle and Jai. Heckle... Heckle Jekyll and Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. Hyde. <laughs> Heckle and Jai, Jekyll and Hyde, whatever those 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 two dudes are. Yes. <laughs> and one of them can say it correctly and the other one can't. But anyway, that <laughs> but second then, half <laughs> was definitely Heckle. <laughs> or Jide. Jekyll. It was Jekyll. Jide. Yes. <laughs> but but no, that the second half he was he was so much better. It was, looked uh, cleaner. He looked more comfortable back there. I I 100% agree that it was night and day. And he even said so himself. He said, you, and he sounded a little cocky when he said it, but I guess when you're a four-time MVP, you can be a little cocky. He pretty much said, I rarely have two awful halves in a row. And he admitted that he was awful in the first half, but he did clean it up in that second half a lot. Yeah. And then the other thing, other good, th- um, good things I had for the offense was Lazard was looking a lot like a wide receiver one in this game. He caught six of his eight targets for 116 yards. Had to be the quietest and 116 yards I've it ever seen. It was a quiet, but he had a, several chunk plays, 32 oh, yeah. yarders, 24 yarders, and five first downs out of those six catches. So they really mm-hmm. used him as a chain mover. And yeah, and that that's great to see because they need him to step up in that role like they need him to. Yeah. And then I, I liked how Dylan was getting stronger late in the game. It's kind of like a really looking for him to do to the to the opposing defense and they really they they really went with him i felt like over jones in that final scoring possession of overtime Mm -hmm. yeah and just to kind of encapsulate that per espn and a lot of these stats that we've already said have also been per espn but in the first half he had four carries for 17 yards and then the second half he had 13 carries for 56 yards and this was a season high for rushing yards in a game with 73 73 yards on the ground yeah, and I th- in his right his, as you noted there, his his yards per carry were increasing. I, I feel like as as uh, the game wore on, though it was a little bit mixed. He'd have a two yarder and a seven yarder and a one yarder and a nine yarder that yeah. were sort of mixed in. Yeah, but anyway, my good things for the Packers offense, kind of touching on the run game, as you said, is Dylan had a great game. But Aaron Jones also had an awesome game. And these stats are per ESPN and pro football reference. Um, He didn't have as much success in the passing game. um, But he did have 16 carries for 110 yards, which is 6.9 yards per carry. Um, And he has really been a absolute monster for the Packers so far. And just to kind of give you some stats that I thought were interesting through four games. um, Through four games, he has 200-yard rushing games this year. He had one all of last year. He is averaging 81.75 rushing yards per game, which would be his career high. His previous career high is 78.9, um, which I think just shows that he has really kind of stepped up to the challenge of what this offense needs from him. They need him to be a pro bowler. <laughs> they might even need him to be an all-pro type of guy for them to have a do- truly dynamic offense this year. But so far, he has really stepped to the bat. The one thing I will say, just to kind of give this a little bit of a but wait here's some things that i think could be done better he is averaging just 20.25 receiving yards per game um which would be his lowest since his second year in the league um and he's also only averaging four targets per game which is about the same as his past seasons since 2019 uh or sorry but since 2019 in games without Devonte adams he'd been averaging closer to about seven targets per game and so i do think it is a little interesting the way that while he's having awesome success on the ground, he is in so many ways the like focal point of their offense right now and the main thing they have going for them. They're really not using him in the air as much as they had previously without Devontae. And I think that's a little interesting. I would like to see more targets for him. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I also felt like in addition, um, this was also a fairly lightly targeted running back group this week compared to a lot of weeks. I think they had... Um, was it uh, just two for Dylan and four for Jones targets? Only six this week. That's also a bit on the on the lower side for the season, and not necessarily what we were expecting for this team mm-hmm. uh, after after uh, losing Devontae. Yeah, and so you know you just like to see the two best players get some more targets. And I know if it's not there, it's not there, and. We're t- saying, oh, we want more targets for Watson. We want more targets for Jones. We want more targets for Dylan. We want Lazard and 
Dobbs to have the same amount of targets as they're having. And at some point, like, that's not realistic. Like, there are only so many oh. passes to go around, and we want more targets for Tunyon. But it's, it just is what it is. Faster but... pace of play. Yes. The Packers have a very, very <laughs> we'll slow get you pace up. of play. Is it could, could add more targets to everybody. But like I was talking about just now, a name that I mentioned that we haven't talked about much is my other positive thing for the offense, which is the fact that they did not give up on Romeo Dobbs after the fumble he had on the first possession on the second play of the game or after the drop touchdown he had on essentially their last drive of the game. So that uh, just to kind of dive a little deeper into that, Romeo Dobbs fumbled on a screen pass on the Packers second play of the game. And a lot of people were like, oh, man, here we go. Like, Dobbs isn't going to get the ball anymore this game because they're going to be afraid to trust him after that. Uh, But he still ran the most routes for the Packers today, uh, according to J.J. Zacharyson. And he still tied Alan Lazard for most targets on the team with eight targets. So they didn't go away from him after the drop. And then he, or sorry, after the fumble. And then he had a really close Almost touchdown. I do think it was a drop that happened on essentially their last drive of the game. Besides, they had one where they just kind of ran out a lateral play. And I don't know why they did that. That was heinous play calling. Um, But he had that drop on essentially their last drive of the game. And they went right back to him in overtime. They ran 12 plays in overtime. And two of those were specifically designed to get him the ball in space. Small little screen passes. And both went for about eight yards. He looked really good with the ball in his hands. And I just like that. They are. They have identified him as a valuable weapon in the offense, and they are just going to keep giving him the ball, warts and all, and hope he figures it out, because I think that's how you reach the ceiling with this team. Yep. And yeah. I, I think uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to think about, did they run the exact... I have to go back and look, for because those two passes to Dobbs are like right in a row. Did they do the, we're going to see if you can, we're going to run this again, see if you can stop <laughs> it. Um, that, you know, we've been, you know, asking about. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just nice that they're giving the ball to their best players. But anyway, that's kind of what we had for the offense. Dad, do you want to move on to the defense? Sure. Yeah. And uh, once again, we'll do shot, then chaser. But I'll start with my bad thing first. Um, my first one on the rough side was they had a lot of blown coverages with Amos out. And to be fair with Amos out, they're missing essentially half their uh, secondary because Jair also did not play today, something we forgot to mention. He was out from this game with a groin injury. They are being precautious, apparently. He might have been able to play. It was a bit 50-50, but they decided to hold him out. But they are then missing half of their secondary. But... They blew a really easy Devontae Parker wide-open touchdown in the first half. I know that there probably should have been a delay a game on that play, but once the play starts, you just got to gotta do your assignment. You can't be worrying yeah, about that. I, I, and they, I, I wonder if they just got caught, you know, whistle-staring or whatever yeah. you want to think about it. It's like, oh, it's, it, this, play, this play should be dead. And then they, then they're not, then they stop paying attention because that was like one of the most egregious um, non-calls on a delay of game I've ever seen. It was like it was, three seconds after the clock ran out. It was bad, and the announcers also thought it was bad, but you just got to keep playing defense. Yeah, and then there even, was also, they, later there was a really open Aguilar 20-yard completion. Just a few complete breakdowns yeah. in the secondary, and you're playing against like a third-string first-year quarterback, something we forgot to mention in this game. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, is that Brian Hoyer went down very early in this game after a sack from Rashawn Gary and was deemed to have a concussion. Uh, and Zappi, their third-string quarterback, who is a fourth-round pick this year, he's a rookie, played the rest of the game and didn't struggle as much as you'd like him to. <laughs> uh, if you're the Packers and think that the Packers' defense can be all that it was talked up to be over the offseason. Um, and blown coverages were part of it. And the other part of it was the run defense. And the th- so they allowed 152 yards on the ground over 32 carries, 4.75 a carry. But the most important thing I think there is, like, for the coaches, you're playing against, like I said, a third-string rookie fourth-round draft pick who has never taken a snap in a game. Why are you allowing 
yourself to get beat on the ground. Like, commit seven guys to the box. If you get beat by, is it Bailey Zappi? Bailey Zappi. By Bailey Zappi beating man coverage with his arm, give him a round of applause and a bouquet of flowers because good game, you know. But to allow yourself to just get kind of worn down on the ground by Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, who are very good backs. I mean, the D-line was getting kind of mauled up front, and the linebackers, I think, struggled this game a lot. But just coaching-wise, I think they really needed to commit more resources to the run once they saw... I mean, you already knew the backup was going to be in this game, and then when the third string came in the game, I really think they should have just went all in on stopping the run, and they really didn't. And they still let Zappi kind of carve them up a bit. So I I don't really know what the plan was going into the game. I don't know how much the plan changed when Zappi came into the game. But it would have been nice, I think, to see some more a more concerted effort to stop the run when you know that's the only way they can they're really going to be able to consistently move the ball. Yeah, though though we we should mention that this is something we talked about in our pregame that I think they are basically the number one run offense in the league. I yeah, I that, mean that is their strength. But but we talked about we would like to see them sell out more to to stop it and and uh, you know um stuff the run and then try to force them to pass. Though one thing that was a little frustrating and it's like why did it take so long to blitz him? You know, they yeah. blitz him late and the, and the and the 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 um announcers like Oh, they finally blitzed him, and look, he has no idea which way to go or what or where he is. But I mean, Barry, we know Barry doesn't like blitzing. He didn't call a single blitz through the first two games of the year. But I mean, break your rules for this, if nothing else. The man's never played a game. Like he's never played a game ever. I think you know when you have a, a weakness you think you can exploit. Don't be so rigid that you can't. Yeah, that's 100% correct. And does that kind of take you into your kind of qualms you had with the Packers defense? Yeah, so you talked about the run defense and how they're letting them kind of gash them for um, concerns. So one of my bad things was how they gave up these long sustained drives for the Patriots uh, for for back-to-back touchdowns, the first two drives of the second half. Which really, you know, with the pick six, let them score three possessions in a row. Yeah, um, three the three straight times they touched the ball, they got a touchdown with those two drives. What both of them seven plays? I think one was sixty five yards and one was seventy five yards. Um, Sorry, that's really zero in the background. She's she heard a, a uh, sound outside. But anyway, we'll continue yeah, on. We'll continue on as uh, Tommy's dog uh, defends the. The premises, yes, from any possible intruders out in the courtyard. Yes, she says hello, and she is also offended by the way Packers played defense for a lot of this game. <laughs> but and anyway, then the continue, other, Dad. Yeah, and then the other thing I had was uh, kind of um, another comment on your 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 uh, Bailey Zappi uh, criticism. Was like they gave up his passer rating was one hundred seven point four. Oh, that's so gross. That's so gross. <laughs> it's like his first time on the field and giving him some open receivers. And, and I feel like the they weren't getting as much pressure on him that for that the pressure kind of went away for a long time in the game. After the beginning when Gary is just like destroying, you know, the, the destroyer of worlds, wrecking their offense. And then it, then it seemed like they weren't getting much done and he had time to stand back and the Patriots had time to run the plays they wanted to run. Yeah, the D-line really got worn down over the course of the game, it felt like, which makes you wonder why are they not rotating in their first-round pick that they used this year on a D-tackle? I I noticed Wyatt out there a little bit in the beginning of the game, but then I have to go back and look to see how often he was actually in there. Um, Yeah. He was doing a little bit of work. But Um, since you mentioned him, do you want to move over to our good things on defense? Sure. Yeah, and the him we are talking about, he is him, as they would say. Rashawn Gary is so freaking good. I mean, if he's not the best player on the defense, it's Kenny or Jair, but he belongs in the conversation every single week. I mean, he had seven tackles, two sacks, a tackle for loss, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, countless pressures. I mean, he 
he had one really awesome play in the second half where he sprinted from the backside and chased down Damian Harris for a two-yard gain when he was about to hit the hole. And you can just tell he moves completely differently from the rest of the guys on their defense. And I think in the first half, you could make the argument that he pretty much kept them in the game by himself because uh, they were on the verge of like messing up. Like, I think he personally wrecked several two drives. At least two, because the the sack on the at that put them out of field goal range on the possession after the Packers fumble that took away points for them, and then he had the the sack forced fumble fumble recovery. He he did the he did everything. It's like, uh, it's like okay, I'm gonna have to um, he did take the care fa- of this myself. He, he did the he, Thanos. The Thanos. Fine. The Thanos. I'll do it yes. myself. Okay, I have to do it myself. <laughs> exactly, and and he just. I mean, he has a sack through a one, at least a sack through each game, which we said earlier when we were talking about Judon. I think only four rushers have done this year. He's got five sacks on the year already. He is wrecking shop out there. He is so freaking good. I mean, it's just really fun to watch him play football because he's got so much effort too. Like every single play, he is trying so hard to get to the ball carrier. And the number of times you see him getting held. Like, you know, chokehold, uncalled, where he's, like, bullying past uh, the offensive lineman and they're just trying to wrap him up and pull him down. Yeah, and he's just just more than most most teams can stop. And they just don't have anything for him. I mean, he's so big and moves so fast that he gets a ton of momentum going very quickly. And when he hits them in the chest, like, I don't care how big you are, you're getting driven back. Like, he is... He is putting in some work out there. Um, but do you want to talk a little bit about your good things on the defense? That was my main uh, thing. There were a couple other. The big thing I thought Quay was, looked I pretty good, but he was the star. Uh, Gary, it was, it was the, the kind of the, the the big light on uh, on the Packers defense today. But I had a couple things I wanted to say as well. It was nice to see um, Reed get his first sack for Green Bay mm-hmm. in the first half. Yep, that was good. And I, I actually personally would have given Rashawn a half sack on that, I think. On that one? Because he was right there. And I do think half sacks are dumb. I am of the mind that both players both <laughs> players should get a sack, I think, I think is, it's is the my way opinion. That PFF, is it PFF that does it that way? Yeah, half sacks right, are dumb. It doesn't make any sense. at least one of those. Uh, um, yeah, my personal sack counter that... for Rashawn Gary now has him at six sacks. That's the official counter now. Um, the official. The, but the, sorry, the, go the ahead. Tommy, the official Tommy counter. Yes, the only counter that matters in my mind. <laughs> the one that uh, is, is above all kinds of like AP voting or anything else. Exactly, number one on the number one of the charts. But anyway, we're, since we're talking about edge rushers, do you want to talk about your other positive? And so I watched a little bit of the edge rushers, the backup edge rushers, as it were. And I noticed that they had Quay Walker out on edge again, and he he got a pressure on Hoyer in that first drive and forced mm-hmm. him to throw. Though I think it was actually completed, but he was um, putting some pressure on Hoyer and and. I actually thought that Garvin looked like he was making some plays today too. I know he's been getting he had at uh, least one pressure. I saw. I saw like, at least one pressure, possibly two. I thought he did a better job holding the edge. Uh, I'd like to see how it scored. Whether they get you know, and when some kind of more official counts come up, whether he's given uh, multiple pressures. But I think he could have. So he he in his snaps, I thought he actually looked pretty good today. Uh, maybe the best game he's had so far this year. Did you notice Enigbari much at all? I didn't really notice him too much. There was one. There were maybe two snaps that I noticed him on. Um, he tried to do his little slide duck under sort of move on in one play. I, I caught, um, and he. I think at that one it went. Uh, I think they got the like the playoff too quickly for him to get in there in the end. So it didn't mm. really amount to much, but he was trying to trying to um, do that play. And he was uh, otherwise, I didn't really notice him. I'll have to look at like the all 22 or something later to see how much he actually impacted the game. Yeah. And I mean, it's tough. Like we said, uh, the Patriots have a really good offensive line, especially run blocking, but Trent Brown's a really good pass protector protector. Sorry. Isaiah Wynn is a pretty solid young uh, right tackle. They have, they have good linemen pretty much Ex- up and down. Except when he was facing Gary in the first half. Yeah, I mean, Gary Isaiah was... Isaiah Wynn was struggling with Gary in the first half. Yeah, and I think it's just a testament to how good Gary is. But, you know, it's tough for a, a rookie edge rusher going against some pretty experienced... Um, I know Brown's a little older now, but some pretty experienced uh, and at least um, 
well-known names at the tackle position. Um, but those, I think I've covered all the good things I had about the defense. Dad, did you have anything you wanted to add there? Um, I think I've finished um, the defense and maybe had a couple things to say about special teams. If you wanna... Yeah, go ahead and uh, take us away on special teams. I didn't I didn't really pay and, attention and too much to it. So I felt like special teams today was a little bit of a mixed bag. This might be one of their, you know, not as good performances so far this year. But the thing is, is, the not as good performances this year... It's still better than last year. Would have been by... this would have been their best special teams <laughs> game last year. I mean, they had the punt down to the two yard line. Do you know how right. happy we would have been with one punt to the two yard line and, so and had, no fumbles? So... I would have been ecstatic last year. No fumbles, no no return, no no block kicks or punts. Yeah, but I said they. But in terms of they gave they give up a thirty seven yard kickoff return in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So like critical critical junctures and at the twenty yard punt return in OT, which got him to like midfield. In overtime, it's like okay, now I feel like we're dead. Well, do you know what? The, um, do you know why that happened? They took Ford off of punt coverage since he was starting at safety, and immediately they could not cover a punt. Uh, I missed that. They took, I didn't yeah, pick they up took on him that, off punt that coverage. Ford was taken out of punt coverage. Because I think what's what we've what we're learning is that gunners or flyers. And we fence. We accidentally called it special teams. We fence. Oh, maybe did we jinx it by calling it special I think, teams? I think we might have. I think we happened? just might. <laughs> but then they did have a couple of good plays as well. They, as you mentioned, where they pinned him at the two yard line, deep in their own. He's Sean um, Nixon again, and again, and Keyshawn Nixon like two weeks in a row. Right? Yep. And they also had a nice thirty-four yard kickoff return by Amari um, in the game as well. And they made the game-winning kick. They didn't. They, they didn't mess it up kick. somehow. <laughs> Which I I I'll, I'll I'll talk about that a little bit because that was driving me a little bonkers. Um, but uh, if you don't have anything more to add, if you want to get get onto our closing thoughts, yeah, let's get to the closing thoughts. Uh, do you want to do a little player of the game? Something we're kind of trying to incorporate. Sure. And since we were already talking about it, my player of the game is Mason Crosby. He made the kick to win the game. You're the player of the game. Take it, take it, and go home. I know it was only a thirty-yard kick, <laughs> it's, but it, it's it's your ball. You, you scored. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you know what. Jack Coco, Pat O'Donnell, and Mason Crosby can all split it for all I care. The whole operation got the job done. So far, the whole operation hasn't, you know, had a single mistake um, this this season. Hasn't had uh, any you know, crucial mistakes. There have been a few high snaps, but... Nothing that's been unusable. The bar was so low, but it, yes, <laughs> yes. It, has been, it has been acceptable. It has been good. I'll say good. It has been good. The snaps have all been within O'Donnell's catch radius. Yes. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But yeah, that's my player of the game, Dad. Who's so yours? My, my player of the game, we talked about a lot already, and it's Gary. I so good. Who was just a, you know, a, a one-man wrecking crew. Such a freak. Um, so, so he was my player of the game. Yeah. And then kind of just some closing thoughts. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. And... Uh, I, I have two things I want to want to touch on here. One is that I'd like Lafleur to tighten up some of his clock management issues. Some of those are how long it takes to get the play called in, and so they ended up blowing a timeout. Well, they're like still in the huddle. So you this can't, team, I don't think you put the, I don't think you put this one on Rodgers where they're still in the huddle. It's not like he's changing the play at the line. They're at the huddle like two seconds left. This team um, hates timeouts. They hate their own timeouts. They don't want ooh, them. It, it burns. It they, burns. And use they burn. And it. they burn them. They, they burn them. They light them on fire. They do not care about. They don't want their timeouts for some reason. It's like uh, they think that they lose points if they have them at the end of the game. Like that. oh, it's like it's like uh, you go to those card games where you still got it in your hand. You get you get uh, yeah. docked points. At, they I don't the way they manage timeouts between Rogers and Lafleur. They are both. They should be in jail for the way they use timeouts. It is awful. It's so bad. Yeah, and so I was thinking about how much are they missing the timeout at the end of regulation where they could have had like a minute left, forty seconds left instead of seven. Yeah. to try to get a field goal. And yeah. you can blame that either on the ones they blew or should he not have bothered to challenge because somebody said, you know, just cool your jets. They're not going to overturn that the way they, they're they uh, calling the game. Um, and so it that's, wasn't a catch. That was one thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and the other the other thing that was driving me a little crazy, and I think even some of the Patriots uh, 
uh, reporters were tweeting about this, like, why are you running the clock down to three seconds at the end of overtime to kick a field goal when you have extra downs? What if you have a bad snap? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Actually, if you have a bad snap, it doesn't matter because you have no timeouts left. It was only like second down. You could have spiked it or thrown it out of bounds. That's possible, yes. But if, if they had, if they had, if they a, bad had snap, a bad snap and had to fall on it, there wasn't any. It wouldn't have mattered. Well, they could have done it with like thirty seconds left. This is true. They didn't have. They had. They 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 ran down like the last you know minute. They just all like, well burned all the time. Well. <laughs> and so like it's just. Saying, yeah, the process was the process. Was we not are good. not going to have any contingency plan. We're just going to throw that out the window with the timeouts that's just showing faith in your players dad we don't need that's no it. contingency we believe, plan we believe in our you know, gotta show your field goal operation guys and um, then the other thing i'd like to say is that the defense saved the packers on oh, a the couple over- of obvious situations you could point to Can- like there was one they they didn't give up any points after the dobbs fumble and then after that punt in, o- in ot that i mentioned where they um, Patriots started at midfield. They got nothing. The overtime defense stand up because forcing a three and out at the 50, like pretty much if they get a first down, they're in field goal range. Nick Folk is a very good kicker and the weather was nice. And, and like, they were talking about how he was going with the wind there too. A little, maybe the wind wasn't as strong as it was earlier in the game, but they're like, oh, they need like five, 10 more yards. And then, then, it's, then, then they're ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, just forcing, it was a little, it was a little tight because they tackled him. I think it was like fourth and one. Um, yes, but yes. they got the stop. They did what they had to do. They had essentially no margin for error, and they got the job done. So yeah, that's that's a really good thing that we hadn't talked about. I'm glad we were able to touch on it. For me, I guess like kind of just to summarize this entire game, this team is currently, and I'm not saying this is like the end product of the team, but they're reminding me a lot of the 2019 Packers where the offense is really Aaron Jones dependent. The defense is good enough to win some ugly games. And if you remember, that was the team that was like, oh, the Packers win ugly. Like they're built for the playoffs and they're built to win all these close, gross, grimy games. And the defense was just good enough to win these games. They had great pass rush and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith that year. Gary was a rookie. And now this year they have Gary and Preston Smith. Great pass rush. They had a terrible run defense then. They're really struggling to stop the run now. They were winning all these games like 10 to 3 and gross (laughs) games. And then this year they're winning all these like 14, 12, 27, 24 overtime against a third string quarterback. And that year I remember it was always, well, they're doing what it takes to win. They got the winning spirit. And then they got their ass kicked by a better team in the playoffs because that's what happens. Well, no, because that's, let me just finish what I'm saying is, is I feel like what I took away from that year is a team that just wins ugly is eventually going to lose really ugly to a team that's just better than them. Because the reason you're winning these games ugly is because you're not good enough to blow these mediocre to meh teams out. And eventually you're going to come across a team that's just better than you. Or that doesn't make these mistakes. Or that doesn't miss like a on a touchdown, for, a 40-yard touchdown that put the game away. You can't win these games ugly. And not even Rodgers thinks so. I mean, Matt Schneiman had a tweet... Um, quoting him after the game that said this way, uh, Roger said, and I quote, this way of winning, I don't think it is sustainable. I mean, not even, it's this type of game plan. I mean, they're going to need to improve if they want to get to where they want to go, I think is my my kind of final summary, or this team is going to feel a lot like 2019. Right, which you remember, everybody was saying that they were, they went ugly. Not as good as the record, and they were overrated. Yeah. They were like the um, worst thirteen and three team ever. Yeah, I right. remember. Yeah, and uh, that and uh, and it turned out they probably weren't quite as good as the record. I don't no. think they were as bad as people were saying. No, which was over the top. I mean, uh, maybe maybe those are all like the the Vikings and Bears fans were saying that. I mean, they got but, their butt uh, stomped by a team that had Patrick Mahomes on the ropes in the Super Bowl. But yep. those yep, are the right. types so, of teams. Those are the types of teams you need to beat to win a Super Bowl. Like, and right. this so, type of team can't win those types of games right now. Right. So, what we think, what we're counting on, is that the this is a stage in the Packers' development mm-hmm. this year that they are going to just progress right right past. They're going to just shoot right past the stage where they're struggling to win and just start putting it all together, and it's all going to be 
Rainbows and unicorns <laughs> as they start stomping on everybody at the end of the year. Yeah, and just to kind of tie it up, there are tangible ways this team can improve. I don't, I'm not saying that their ceiling is the 2019 Packers. It's just if they keep playing this way, they are the 2019 Packers. There's, there's avenues to improve. Getting Bakhtiari and Jenkins healthier and less rusty would make this team so much better. Getting Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs more comfortable in the offense and using them more as focal points would make this offense better. Using Pony Package in a more creative way. Justice Mosqueda has this really awesome article on Acme Packing Company. He has a great follow on Packers Twitter as well, at J-U-M-O-S-Q on Twitter. He did this really interesting article about how essentially they're just running split back gun out of pony package and running the same little swing pass RPO every single time. And you always know what's coming. And the only thing that's really open on that is the quarterback keeper. But why are you going to run a quarterback keeper with a 38 year old quarterback? Finding more creative ways to get Jones and Dylan on the field. He, he suggests um, in one of his podcasts to use Dylan in that tight end spot and kind of split him out there and use him as a pseudo fullback which I think would be very interesting. But there are tangible ways this team can improve. I'm not saying that they're doomed to the same fate as the 2019 Packers. It's just they remind me a lot of them right now, which isn't the best thing. Yeah, I I think they've got um, a lot of room for improvement this year based on just the structure of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, With three starters, frontline players, returning from major injury in Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Tunyon all of whom are not quite yet up to what I think we can reasonably expect them to be this year. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of new players on the team, including a, a, a huge number of rookies, actually, if you even, if you include the, the deeper bench pieces, that we can reasonably expect to be better as the year goes on. Um, so I think, and, and then uh, health is always a, uh, uh, you health know, is random. a fraught uh, proposition because you, you don't know what's going to happen you have to hope for the best for health but when they're missing both amos and jair in the same game it's true that's a little that that's going to be a little rough we just have to hope that those sorts of things don't happen too much yeah but anyway this has been our post game for packers patriots we're going to wrap it up now packers pulled out and escaped word of the day is escape at home, uh, 27-24 overtime victory off the leg of Mason Crosby in overtime. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be doing our pregame on Thursday night for the Packers-London game against the New York Giants. It will be, fun fact, the first London game ever where both teams have a winning record. Both are 3-1 and one going into this game. I didn't realize it was the first time they've ever... I mean, maybe that's because the Jag- Jaguars have been there so often. Because it's always the Jaguars, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we will be doing a pregame for that on Thursday night. It will be dropping Thursday night, so come take a listen to that. Like we said, follow us on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. Find us on YouTube, Father Son Packers Podcast. And until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!